Welcome to the Data Brilliant Podcast with me, Joe Dos Santos, Chief Data Officer at Click. In this series, we explore how data is reshaping and redesigning the future of our business and personal worlds. From business leaders to educators to public figures, we'll be joined by experts who will give us a fresh perspective on the world through data. Today, I'm joined by Ronald Van Loon, renowned influencer in data and analytics and the CEO of Intelligent World, a platform which aims to connect tech, AI, data, and analytics enthusiasts. Welcome to Data Brilliant, Ronald. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So you are repeatedly uh, one of the top 10 influencers in the data and analytics space, and I wonder if you could share with us a little bit about how that came to be. How did you get into the data world, and what got you interested in that, and then how did you start to become um, a little bit of a social media phenomenon? Yeah, I'm in the data world already for more than 25 years. I'm not the youngest person anymore. Um, I started with product data management, basically, when I left um, uh, left university um, I started first in trade but then I started in product management moved further to content management content uh, product content analytics and moved further to more to the let's say the, the data space the big data space and joined a consultancy firm and basically that's where I started as well with social media and soon after, uh, my follow base grew to, to 60,000 and I started thinking more about how I could combine the world of, of data analytics and social media to, to make an impact as, as data. Yeah, I saw it as the, the new gold. Um, and I thought if I can talk about that, something will, will happen in, in the future. And I was a firm believer in how data analytics was, was shaping the world. So um, today... Um, yeah, I have 350,000 followers. I create over 500 videos, webcasts, white papers, articles, and other type of content per year. Um, chats and, and survey over more than 100 data analytics practitioners per day. And, and we have um, yeah, more than 75 tech companies that are keeping me up to date about the latest trends and news and, and developments. And to, to keep the pace with this activity, um, I built yeah, a large team that helps me in, in all the editing and, and creating the, the videos um, yeah, because this is not something you, you can do alone anymore. Right. And, and so now you have become, in fact, the Justin Bieber of data and analytics. <laughs> you know. uh, that's a nice true. comparison. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps it's a Cristiano Ronaldo is, I think, the number one uh, follower on Twitter. So, so that's yeah. our aspiration here for data and analytics to be as famous and popular as, uh, as Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, I don't have to be popular. I, I really like to educate people. That's, that's yeah. my main goal. Excellent. And I think one of the points of this education is really around, well, there's a lot of emphasis out there in the marketplace around the technological advancements. So what do neural networks do? What do, you know, what's the difference between file-based Hadoop and other kind of modern warehouses and such? Your orientation seems really to be much more interested in connecting that technology to the business impact. You talk a lot about those business use cases, and I wonder what experience you have in terms of orienting uh, executives and leaders in a company to help them understand what use cases are appropriate to them. Yeah, so um, I think if, if you talk about use cases, there's uh, many type of, of use cases that, that are interesting. And from my perspective, it's um, helping the different type of, of industries and the different type of, of um, executives um, to really help them by um, taking the, the time to learn and to communicate um, about the value of technology. And if we talk about executives, um, the C-level executives and the stakeholders, so they should see the value of this underlying technology and, and how this 
technology impacts the business. So this involves um, identifying um, how technology can drive the business objectives and also how to solve the challenges with the help of data and with the help of analytics. Yeah, I've heard you say that uh, the most important thing is to understand how a company makes money. If you understand how a company makes money, you can understand how data analytics can support the efforts to make money. Um, and I'm wondering if you have any techniques, workshops, or efforts that you've done that have been especially uh, useful in terms of helping those executives see it. So it's, it's about education about AI, but it's really about kind of can they see themselves in the technology in terms of how their companies fundamentally make money and see themselves, right? Yeah, so um, I, I have created several AI um, cases and, and courses um, where we focus at helping the executive in uh, building their business advocacy, um, how to uh, define their goals, how to define their, their problem statement, basically yeah, the, the defining the business advocacy. Uh, from there on, we help them through the process um, um, addressing the entire data pipeline where um, I make it clear via all different kinds of examples is, is starting with the data ingestion and, and moving from um, edge to cloud. Um, also educate them in the domain of bad and, and silo data and the type of issues that, that you have, um, the, origin in, the origin of the silo data, um, the bad data challenges that, that there are, uh, but also help them with preparing the data, with the data integration, the data staging, um, where we talk about the data lineage and the data, data um, um, in the data flow, basically, uh, the data strategy frameworks, um, unifying and reconciling the data, but also about all the new type of uh, digital capabilities and infrastructures that, that are there um, I help them with um, how to enable the analytics and AI services. Um, I help them with empowering with the self-service analytics. And from there, we start moving to the domain of um, how to analyze data from the, the data cleansing and the data normalization to the, to the data models and um, ex experimenting with the data. So start with more with advanced um, analytics and AI, um, but also think about the fears and the risk and the ethics and the accountability and the trust, which is very important. And and in the end, once they start with it, yeah, start help them with defining use cases and uh, start moving on with the help of data and AI. I love the way you just framed that. So that there's a there's a first of all the understanding of the proper use case, second of all the incorporation of ethics and how the company sees itself in using those, and then third the establishment of a clear understanding of the technology that needs to be enabled to deliver that. So if you don't mind, I'd like to kind of take those in stepwise fashion. So with respect to use case identification. Um, I think everybody wants to be Amazon.com, and the most prevalent use cases out there tend to be very B2C specific, right? Their next best action on a website or their, um, you know, the things that are that are suggestive with respect to an individual. Can you think of use cases that have been effective for B2B companies with respect to how they can use analytics to drive out value for their companies? And in especially, I think you've highlighted in some of your talks the difference between internally facing analytics and externally facing ev uh, analytics and the evolution from one to the other. I wonder if you can touch upon how people can evolve in a B2B context in that way. Yeah, so um, there's, there's many B2B cases. Um, um, for example, you have um, a brewery fermentation where they use AI. You have computer vision where they do car quality control. Um, you have conversational AI, which is both used in the B2C, but also in, in the B2B type of market. Um, 
yeah, you have, let's say, uh, applications in, in the energy, in, in the finance market. So there's um, all different kinds of, of applications outside of, of the B2C. Um, healthcare, of course, is, is a very um, important area and domain where AI um, is used for um, image analytics and to, to support the, uh, the doctors to take better decisions and, and um, basically augment them. So there's all yeah, different uh, kind of industries. There's basically no industry, um, I think, left where data and analytics is not used to augment the, the end user. And it's definitely not only B2C and it's, it's yeah, far beyond from what, what Amazon is doing, uh, although they, they, of course, did, uh, did a great job. And if you look from, let's say, um, what is what are typical steps every organization can go through to become data-driven, um, I always start with, okay, think about, okay, what kind of data do you have? And as a first step, start providing insights for your internal organization. Start understanding this data. As a next step, you can start um, helping your outside organization by providing access to this type of data, giving insights um, to products. Um, for example, if you deliver a product, you can um, give them insights in the, the, the condition from the product itself, from the machine itself, um, so they can start seeing what's happening. Um, and if they, if you start predicting um, based upon this data, you can start predicting um, whether the, the machine should be um, maintained or maybe when there's an outage predicted. So the next step is start with whatever service or products you have, start predicting and as a, a step after that, once you, you you start predicting, you have all this data, you can start providing services for it. This is, um, I think, a very nice example where you can go from inside insights to outside insights to automating and to really change your business models with the help of data. I, I think that's really a brilliant insight. So there's a lot of people out there talking about the descriptive and, you know, how does one evolve from a descriptive posture to a predictive posture? But I like that layer that you've added on, which is, you know, it's easier to mobilize people internally with with insights that then you can start to monetize. And I think people skip that part sometimes. They just, well, I want to be like Amazon, you know. Um, and, and one of the things that you've done here is by doing this, you've introduced kind of a complexity to think about the the use case itself. Is it ethical? Is it useful? Where does the data comes from? Am I entitled to that? Am I in violation of certain regulations and such? What are you seeing being established in organizations with respect to uh, governance, with respect to um, to, to regulate regulatory influence with regards to kind of ethics that are affecting the way people are deploying their analytics? Yeah, I, th I think if we talk about ethics, um, it's the foundation for AI. If we're not treating data and AI ethical, in the end, um, we do harm. And if we do harm, it's it's gonna um, yeah, basically we, we we ruin the world. So ethics is, I think, one of the most important foundations for AI. And if I talk to executives about, um, let's say, ethics. I ask them, okay, how do you guide your organization to stay ethical with data? Because you cannot see everything, what's happening. Maybe you don't even understand everything, what's happening. Um, and I, I was at a conference two years ago and somebody really gave a brilliant statement. They said, if I am willing to publish it in a newspaper, what I'm doing with my data, then I feel I do it in an ethical way. If I don't want to publish it, um, in the in the newspaper, 
I believe it's not ethical. So um, it, it really, yeah, I think um, organizations and especially executives, they need some guidance in how to uh, become ethical, how to create a culture that everybody stick within these, these guidelines. And that's not easy because once you get the hands on the data, it's very easy to, to do bad things with it or um, to, to create maybe unintendedly uh, to create some certain bias. And that's all the things I think that that you um, that you have to prevent. And if we then um, yeah let's let's look at what's happening in in the domain. Um, on one hand, we have the regulation, of course, but it's hard to manage and regulate ethics with um, with laws and with with regulation. So I think it's more a matter of culture. It's more um, a matter of guiding um, an ethical compass um, I think is, is a nice terminology which, which can be used for that um, and these type of, of frameworks that's then more the practical sides you have to build the frameworks around it um, how to manage your data what's ethical what's, eth what's not ethical uh, but also if, if you think about for example the, the teams if you want to create teams um, to have um, data treated in an ethical way they should have all different kinds of, of backgrounds. Um, so you want to have diversity within in your data as well to act in um, an ethical way um, and guide your organization uh, to become an ethical AI type of organization. That's fantastic. I, I think um, I used to, I, I once heard someone say, this is the difference between having data that's that's useful versus data that's creepy. <laughs> I really like your, uh, your newspaper um story there. I think that's an important consideration. So that brings us to the third leg of the stool, which is around the technical implementation of these models. And there's been a great deal that's changed over the past years in terms of, you know, the evolution from warehouses to lakes to um, to cloud, etc. One of the things that I've heard you talk about, which I think is a really fascinating evolution, is build versus buy AI. You talk about things that are, you know, like, why would you want to buy a, a language translation AI? You can get it off of the shelf. And I wonder what people are doing with respect to build versus buy um, AI and machine learning with respect to enabling some of their use cases. Yeah, I think companies are trying to figure out what's the best way to adopt AI into their organization. So they, they either buy it uh, by, by partnering with third-party um, uh, uh, third-party solution providers, or they purchase software solutions, for, for example, and um, they build these capabilities within the organization. So if you build it, um, one thing what many organizations have learned, it can be challenging, um, challenging to attract your talents, but also to integrate it within your, your systems to, to work seamlessly and, and go from a POC type of environment to a fully scaled environment um, globally. If you buy it, it can be challenging to, to choose the right solutions and to partner um, with organizations that really fit your, your needs in, in detail. And also, you you, um, you can think about that you cannot differentiate from your competitors. Um, so, on one hand, it's, it's easier for larger organizations to make an investment to, to build out their AI capabilities over time um, as they have more um, resources, if they can do acquisitions or and they have the budget, for example. If we look to smaller or or a newer startup companies and they might find it more useful to to buy ai technologies and if you talk about buying ai technologies there are so many um apis available with with the the, the greatest um, capabilities which you just can plug in and which make it very easy and by combining these 
APIs, you can still differentiate a lot um, by helping your clients and help them much faster by using um, uh, AI APIs. And mm -hmm. AI APIs really can democratize AI much faster than if you try to build everything yourself. And every, as, as you know, every aspect within AI, if, if you talk about um, uh, natural language processing, this is a domain on, on itself with um, where you require a, a lot of expertise. And that's, I think, an obvious one. You're, you're not going to um, create your own conversational AI chatbot. Mm -hmm. uh, why not? Yeah, because it's uh, far too complex on one hand. And on the other hand, you think, yeah, it, it's uh, clearly available. So it's... Um, I think it, it's it's um, for organizations really important to define, um, okay, what, what are my main goals? Uh, what type of, of data sets do I have? And what kind of algorithms do I need to develop, which really, really are the core of what I do and really help me um, uh, uh, differentiate myself from the competition? And that's probably where you need to start thinking about, okay, um, once I have the initial foundation, once I have used um, the traditional type of technologies to, to manage this data, to get the insights, then you can start thinking about creating your own type of, um, of models and build it as um, really as an asset to, to differentiate. But I see, let's say, less and less reasons for organizations not using the existing technology that's available. I think also... Uh, the, the question to yourself, can you get the talent and can you build the quality of, of APIs and algorithms that can match what's already available on the market mm. and then for the same cost? And that's, I think, an often it, it, it often results in buy it instead of making it. And this is something you actually counsel people a lot on, the, the actual career paths of analytics organizations. And I think what you're pointing out is that that career model might look different for a software company that is focusing on analytics versus a bank or um, or, or a, a, a retail institution that's trying to capitalize on that, which the software companies are doing. I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing in terms of trying to help people figure out what those proper career paths are. And I wonder if you could pick about some some highlights uh, for each of those different paths. Yeah, so um, I speak a lot to people on one hand who start just um, directly from, from university or, or just did their bachelor's. But on the other hand, a lot of practitioners who have domain expertise, um, have business expertise, and say, hey, I want to educate myself um, with data analytics. What should I do? And and often, yeah, you can start as a data analyst. You can start as, as a junior data scientist. Um, start especially uh, by doing educational next next to your job. I think that's always something that uh, that works works very well. And then from there, you can move in many, many different directions where, where you can become um, a, a BI developer or you can become an application architect or a database administrator or a, a data architect or, or an enterprise architect or a data scientist or a data engineer or a data analyst or a machine learning engineer or a statistician. statistician. Um, so... There are so many paths you can go, and um, there I think it's always f follow your heart, follow what you like, and develop your career based upon that, and try always to combine it with, let's say, the expertise from, from a specific role, combined with the business knowledge, as the business knowledge really uh, brings you um, a, a great deal of value, and that's what, what the company is interested in. And I think the, f the third 
um, pillar which is very important is communication so what you do be able to communicate not only to your peers but also to to the management and to the executive level um, explain what you do and clear communication is a core for your career path and in whatever industry you are and um, yeah, this is of course not only for the, the data analytics type of careers but it's, it's in general but for the data analytics careers i think it's um yeah it's you need to emphasize it more because they are not used to it. I think this is a really interesting point that what you've just gone through is you're a person that's graduating from university or graduate school, and there's so many paths that one can do, and and it's important to understand all these different paths. Um, and then there's a, the, the opposite side, which is how do companies understand what their core competencies are and what the career paths are within their respective organization? Are you a, 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 an organization that builds AIs? Are you an organization that puts AI to work in business use cases? Where do you think companies are on a maturity scale of being able to adopt some of those technologies and skills that you're describing? Um, yeah, it really depends one on, on the industries. Um, you have industries that are, are really taking off if you are in finance or, or in retail um, or in telecommunications. These re- this, this, um, industries are really in a digital storm and need to advance much faster and build teams um, much faster than, than other industries. If you yeah, maybe are in, in uh, let's say, more in transportation, which is a slower industry, or you are in the, the oil and gas industry, which is a slower indus- industry. So in, in general, um, it's, it's depending on, okay, what role do you have in your industry and what industry are you in? These, are, I think, are two very important indicators. If you are an innovator in, in your industry, um, yeah, you... You're moving ahead, and there I think the, the challenge is every half year, every year, there's all kinds of new developments in, in the domain of data analytics where the roles and the expertise that you need is changing. So um, a very important part of what you do as an organization is, is upskilling your organization and, on the other hand, continuously checking, okay, what's what type of skills do we still need or what skills are automated already? And the automation in this domain is also moving forward very quickly. Um, so it's, I would say, continuous path of change versus here is the blueprint and, and this is how you do it. And, and that's how I discuss it mo- most of the time with organizations as well. And and this um, make or buy decision, which we discussed previously, is a very important role in yeah, what type of team do you need to build and what type of expertise do, do you need. And you've created a platform called Intelligent World that really is meant to connect people, right, to connect experts and influencers, to help them understand. Because I think that there are many people who look around and ask that question I just asked, which is where I am, where am I relative to my peers? Tell us a little bit about Intelligent World and about what your aims are and uh, what you're looking to achieve with the platform. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's a platform which will be launched, uh, the Minimal Viable product, in mid of October. Um, and with the Intelligent World, we have been researching how executives want to stay up to date. Um, they cannot travel so much, and probably in, in, in 2022, they can start traveling, but it will never be, I think, as much as, as what they did before. And they want to find this information quickly, and if they find the information, they quickly want to, to educate themselves, but want to have the possibility to deep dive and to discuss with peers that have the same issue. And on the, on the other hand, to discuss with domain experts, which are credible. And on the other hand, yeah, we have more the high level type of content to educate yourself, which you can do on demand. 
so Ronald, how, how can our listeners find out more about you and your work and your new platform? Um, they just have to ping my name in, in Google and then you find Twitter and LinkedIn or, or YouTube uh, where I post um, on Twitter many times a day, on LinkedIn uh, multiple times a day and on YouTube probably once a day. Um, so where they are open to follow me and, and to connect with me, of course. Um, on the Intelligent World platform, after mid of October, uh, they're free to, to have a look at intelligentworld.org and where they can register and start educating themselves and provide all the feedback uh, that that they um, they can to make the platform better. So we're open, we're transparent and um, happy to receive this feedback to make it a great platform. And we'll have to work on a Twitter campaign to make the Googling of Cristiano Ronaldo of data and <laughs> analytics return Ronald Van Loon. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks very much. It's been a, a great pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you, Joe. Ronald Van Loon is a renowned influencer in data and analytics and the CEO of Intelligent World, a platform which aims to connect tech, AI, data, and analytics enthusiasts. Thank you for listening to this episode of Data Brilliant, brought to you by Click and hosted by me, Joe Dos Santos. Connect. Learn. Build on the expertise of others. Good advice in any context. But Ronald Van Loon reminds us to spend time now to learn from experts and drive our AI future in a differentiated and ethical way.